You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John, entitled, Learning Jesus. You know, there is a table set for you. And it's not just any table. It has the best tablecloth. It has the finest cutlery and the most expensive china. It's a remarkable table. And the amazing thing about this table, it's by invitation only, but yet it's a gift. And it's set for you. Here's what set this table apart. We don't just come to this table for a quick meal. We come to eat food that will cure hunger. This is the table of Jesus Christ. And the, the, the food at this table is literally Jesus. And I know that sounds strange until we realize that Jesus is the bread of life. And so this morning, I want to invite you to come to the table of life. I want you to come and lay down your shame, lay down your striving, lay down your spiritual scorecard, and know that there is a place for you at the table of life. So please take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of John. We're in our series, Learning Jesus, and today we're going to begin in verse 26. If you want to grab that Bible, it's in the rack in front of you. It's on page 891. You can also use your Ridgewood app, and you can just touch media and follow the prompts to the study guide, and all the scripture is there for you. John 6, 26. And while you're finding that spot, let me just get you caught up where we are in our series. We began with this beautiful theological prologue about the origins of of the universe and how Jesus was the pre-existent God. He is fully God. He is creator. It's a remarkable thing that John lays out for us. And then we've just finished moving through the signs that Jesus did in order for him to, to confirm that he is who he said he is. And last week, Neil did a great job of talking about raising Lazarus from the dead. And then today we begin now with the I am sayings of Christ. And the I am sayings of Jesus are meant to help us understand more about God, more about the mission of Christ. And so this is a very exciting portion of the Gospel of John. Now let me give you the context today before we dive into the text. Jesus has just fed that huge crowd of people. The Bible lists it at 5,000. That was probably the men. There's probably about 20,000 people there. Jesus took that paltry little couple of loaves and fish and he fed them all. They're still here. And this is the crowd that he's addressing. And what he's going to tell them is, my feeding of you is just as important, in fact, it's far more important than the manna that was fed the Israelites in the wilderness. Because this group wasn't thinking eternally. They were just glad that they got to eat. And Jesus is going to take that and he's going to say, listen, I want to tell you about eternal food. I want to tell you about the bread of life, the living manna that's standing in front of you, that is Jesus Christ. So when we talk about the I am sayings of Jesus, here's what they are, and here's what we're going to be working through. 
Today it's I am the bread of life. After Easter, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life in that exciting passage in John 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. We learn about Jesus. We learn about his Father. And today we learn that he is the bread of life. And so as we begin this morning in verse 26 with the first I am statement, we find something at this table that is elusive in culture. And that is this. I want to invite you to the table this morning because there's truth found at the table. You can come to the table and find spiritual truth. Look at verses 26 and 27. Jesus tells the crowd that they're following him for all the wrong reasons. 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. The table is a place of truth. Now the phrasing here is very interesting. Truly, truly, I say to you, is wording that Jesus uses four times in this particular discourse. And he uses this term when he wants to draw attention to what he's about to teach. It's like a highlighter. Pay attention. Listen up. I'm about to give you truth, and there's truth at the table. And the truth that Jesus is sharing with them is that the food that he gave them was temporarily satisfying, but what he's really offering is spiritual, eternal food. The amazing thing about Jesus is he told the truth, and he didn't really care what they thought of him. They didn't really, he didn't really care much about they even like the truth. He just gave truth. And when we pull up a chair at the table of life, we are exposed to real objective truth. Now, culture will tell us that there is only subjective truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. But that's not a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is that there is truth in Jesus. In fact, Jesus is truth. So when we come to the table, we can find the truth about Christianity. We can learn that there is a heaven, that there is a hell, and that we are under the condemnation of sin because of our own missteps and because sin can't interact with a holy God. But there is an answer to that condemnation, and his name is Jesus, and he can reconcile us to God. But that only happens when we're at the table of truth. When we pull up a chair at the table, we can learn how to live in truth in our own families. We can learn about our roles in our families. We can learn about how to sacrifice ourselves to other members of our family. All that's available at the table. This kind of truth also helps us to live in an impure culture in a way that is sexually pure. We can learn that our bodies and mind, though, have been ravaged by sin. There is a way 
to live purely and experience all that God has for us. And in a culture that has basically said to God, we know better than you. We're going to to live sexually any way that we feel like it. We're going to choose our gender. At the table, there's truth, and we can find what God really has for us that is beautiful and what He's designed for us. And even, I think, more importantly, at the table, there's the truth of what we're designed for. We're designed to glorify God. We're designed to reflect Christ. You know, the beautiful thing about following Jesus is that you never have to get up in the morning and say, what is the purpose of my life? Now, you might have mornings when you say, I can't fulfill it, or I, I just, I'm lost, I'm confused about how to do it, but we are designed and made to glorify God, to build His kingdom, to reflect Christ. And that truth becomes readily apparent when we are at this table eating of the bread of life. Jesus always is truth. And here that, that truly, truly is always the signal that he's going to talk about truth. But the second thing that we find that's available at this table is grace. And so I'd like to invite you to come to the table and obtain grace. Grace is such a beautiful concept because I don't think grace is readily available as we go about our business and school and all those things, but here it is. If you look at verses 28 through 31, Jesus refutes their thinking that they could receive life through good works. And here's what he says. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Well, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He has sent. Seems rather straightforward. The work of God that you are to do is simply believe in Me. But no, verse 30. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe in you? What work do you perform? A ridiculous question, considering they just saw him feed 20,000 people. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Here's the problem. The question really wasn't about, Lord, how can we serve you? What works can we be doing to further the kingdom? The question really was, What kind of works does God require for us to be accepted by Him? What's kind of the minimum? What's the law on that? But Jesus rebuked them. And He told them, all you really need is faith to come to the table. And in fact, I would go one step further and contend that the Bible clearly teaches that not only does a seat at the table not require works, but that we acquire a seat at the table by understanding that we have no ability to do those works at all, but through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We are saved by His grace through faith. Paul talked to Titus about this as he was training up and telling how to live in the church. He said, He saves us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So you see here 
that we are not saved because of works, but because of what he does in our own lives. And so there's a tremendous element here at the table of just relinquishing and allowing God to take you where he wants you to go. You don't have to muscle your way into the table. You know, if you grew up in a large family, you know, you all gather for dinner, and there's a little bit of food in the middle of the table. And so that becomes a competition, and you muscle your way in, right? You don't have to do that here. You come as you are. Your worthiness doesn't come from you. It comes from your relationship to Jesus Christ. When, we, when Wendy and I lived in Tucson, we went to this restaurant often called Pinnacle Peak. And it was one of these southwestern you know, joints with the steaks that are this big. And you know, when you see the plate coming, you call 911 just to be sure. And peanuts on the ground, the whole thing. You know, everyone's wearing cowboy hats and stuff. And the kind of the thing they had going there is that if you walked in with a tie on, a waiter would come by and he would cut your tie in half. And he would hang it from the ceiling. So you walk in and there are thousands of ties hanging from the ceiling. And so the fun part of that was you get guests that come from out of town and you say, hey man, we're going to go out to dinner, let's dress up. This is going to be fantastic. And they put their nice tie on and they go there and there's someone with the scissors. (laughs) Done. But here's what they're saying. They're saying, we've developed a culture here and your tie, you can leave that at the door. In fact, we'll just cut it off. And at the table of Christ, we don't have to bring that fancy kind of dress to the door. We can, we can leave our fancy religion at the door. We can leave all of the pride about how much Bible we know. We can check that at the door. We don't need to pretend that we have influence. We don't even have to bring our right theology. We can check all of that at the door or preferred way of worship. We come to the table as equals. We come to the table by grace. We come because we have nothing to offer. And that's a beautiful thing because that takes away striving It takes away the pressure of trying to please God. We simply believe in Jesus Christ. And that's the message here that Jesus is giving. And so we come to the table and we receive this incredible gift of grace. And then we can have real life, true life, abundant life and eternal life. But there's still more at the table. And if you look at verses 32 through 33 with me, we see that there is this amazing gift of life that comes through Jesus. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, there's that phrasing again, that assertiveness, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, Give us this bread always. Jesus gives us a brand new way to live. And so this morning, I want to invite you to come to the table and receive life. Jesus is the bread of life. Life as you've never experienced it before. Life that can go beyond what your hopes and dreams even 
can take you there, but it may not look at all what you thought it was going to look like. But Jesus will shepherd you there. And he's making it clear here that it was his father, not Moses, that provided the manna from heaven and that he's still providing manna, but now it's in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the living manna. He is the eternal God. Life is found at the table. And here's the problem. The problem is, because of sin, we are wrecked. Our hearts are destroyed. And we need a reconciler. We are cut off from God. There is a chasm because God is holy and we are sinful. And so Jesus is that life. He is that bridge. He is the one that can reconcile us to his Father. Billy Graham said, he said, you know, we don't need to deal with poverty or racism or war. We just need new hearts. And that's true because it's the heart that's the issue. And what Jesus can do is he can take your heart and not just kind of fix it up a little bit, not take self-help and kind of you know, give you tools. No, he changes and replaces our heart and transforms our soul. That's what's available at the table of life. And so this morning, I just call you to that table. Acts 3.19 tells us to repent then and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out and you may receive refreshing from the Lord. Sometimes refreshing sounds really good, doesn't it? Sometimes even the most ardent believer, the one who walks in faith, is still weary. And our souls become dry. And there are times when I wake up in the morning and I'm having my devotions and I'm praying and I'm reading through Scripture and I'm saying, God, I need a word from you because it's just dry. I don't feel anything. Now, I know well enough that that's still seeping in and God is still working but it's those times of refreshing that keep you going and what I'm saying to you is that's available in abundance at the table of life and so I want you to come there you can receive a new heart and you can receive a person when you come to the table Jesus is very clear that you receive a person not a commodity so you're 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 having relationship with a living person and so many times in churches, we treat it as, it is, as if it is some kind of a thing or a commodity. Look at 27. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then in 35, and here's the I am statement, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The food that's available at the table of life is Jesus. It, it, it is a person. And all of these, the shall nots and the shall nevers, they are emphatic in the Greek. When it comes to Jesus, what it's really saying here is that we can be absolutely satisfied now. And so, when you come to the table, you can find that satisfaction that you've been looking for 
or that you sometimes eludes you in your life. Verses 47 through 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Whoever believes has eternal life. Jesus is the manna from heaven. In the Old Testament, it was the cakes they found on the ground. But the people that ate that eventually died. But now, Jesus is the manna, and when we eat of him, we live. And so at the table of life, there's satisfaction. There's a relationship with the person, and there's life. And so I want to invite you there this morning. Now, you might be thinking, well, that sounds really great. But how in the world do I do that? How do I pull up a chair? Well, let's talk about that for a moment. How do I feed at this table? I mean, the china's there, the tablecloths are there, everything looks good, but I don't know how to find a chair. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. First, I would say this. You pull up a chair when we heed the Father's call, listening to what God is saying to us. Verses 41 through 44 tells us that it is the Father's beckoning that brings us to the table. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? They were thinking temporally. They couldn't see past themselves. 43, Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. No one can come to me unless the Father calls. So do you, do you, do you feel the Father drawing you right now? Maybe, maybe you've walked with God for a long time, but you realize that you're distracted. You're, you're over here at the candy table, and you're getting that instant gratification And it feels great, and it tastes wonderful. But that downer after that sugar high, you're thinking, I don't want to go through that again. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm at the table, but I'm just really nibbling. I'm holding back. I, 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 I just can't fully invest. Do you feel the Father right now calling you? That's how we get right with God. That's how we come to the table and live. And then I would say this. We pull up a chair when I believe and I stop striving. Striving, I replace striving with believing. This is so important because we feel like we have to drive so fast to get to the restaurant because our reservation is going to expire. And so we strive and we strive and we strive and we try to get better and we try to learn more Bible verses, all of which are good. I'm totally for spiritual disciplines. I practice them myself. But this is not going to earn you a spot at the table or a better spot at the table. You might be thinking, well, yeah, sure, but I'm certainly going to move up a few notches, aren't I? No. No, because when we're at the table, we're there as children of God. No more division, 
No more ladders of success. Just children of God feeding with our Savior. What a beautiful picture that would be. Your physical body will die. But if you come to the table, you will live forever. And so you just get that by believing. And so finally, I think this is important to mention too, that others can pull up a chair when I invite them. This isn't just something that we can tuck away in our pocket and go like, that's nice, that's great. No, we need to tell people. Look at 37 and 38. Jesus makes it very clear that there are seats available and that once you're seated, no one can take your seat. In 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I will never cast out those who come to me. People need to hear that there's a seat at the table. The Bible says, who will hear unless we preach? Friends, neighbors, classmates, we need to invite them to the table. As a church, Ridgewood Church, we need to be about the business of making Jesus known through community impact because people need to come to the table. How do we do that? It doesn't have to be that complicated. First, we can just pray for our schools. We have Minnetonka High School. We have Groveland Elementary. We have Minnetonka Middle School East within a mile and a half of the church. Spend some time praying for the teachers and students. Pray for their safety. Pray that God would work and support those who are believers in those schools. Secondly, I would say pray for your civic leaders. Pray for those that actually lead our city. If I ask you right now, who is the mayor of Minnetonka? I don't even know. Do you know? <laughs> it just changed. I got to start praying. What I do is I make it very general so God knows what I'm thinking. I just say, please pray for Mr. Mayor or Mrs. Mayor or something. But we should know this, and we should pray for our leaders. And here's the problem in America today. We only pray for people that we agree with. It's ridiculous. And here's what my challenge to you would be. Pick out the politician that you hate the most. Start praying for them. Because I'll guarantee you, number one, that they're not as bad as you think they are. And number two, they need Jesus, just like you do. And your bitterness will start to ebb away if you start to pray. That's one way that we can really influence our community. And then I think we need to just continue to become a part of the fabric of the community. One thing I'm really excited about is, you know, we've got this ongoing relationship with the Minnetonka Police Department, and it's, it's kind of on the down low, but we've asked, uh, you know, we've asked, how can we help you? And they said, well, could you pray for different things that come up in the department? So we're praying for officers and their families. We're helping them with some benevolent fund money for people they run into and they can't resource. But how awesome is it that when the Minnetonka Police Department needs something, they call us? That's becoming fabric in the community. That's how we can shine a light for Christ. We need more community groups in neighborhoods, and we need to plant churches and communities that are dying. And that's all over Minnesota. These are ways that we can continue to push the kingdom forward. Others need a place at the table. So Jesus is the bread of life. He's invited you to come to the table and experience 
abundance and satisfaction and eternal life and food that will never, ever leave you hungry again. And so this morning, I want to invite you to put aside all of your striving, to put aside all of this idea in your head that you've got to earn anything, put aside all that shame that dogs you. If I could have just done it differently, that can all go away when you wear the righteousness of Christ. Or maybe you're a believer and you're thinking, I'm just not being the person I think that I should. I I need to get closer to Jesus. Then I want to invite you to the table. And so I want to invite the worship team to come up this morning. And they're going to lead you in a song. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We don't do this often at our church. But I would like you to come while they're singing. And just, if you believe that God is calling you to the table this morning, just to come and pray on these stairs as an altar. You know, in the first service, I I said to them, I said, listen, I know it's intimidating to come down in front of people, but there's something really special about raising our hands in front of our fellow believers and saying, yes, God is working in my life. Yes, God is changing me. Because not only does that affirm my decision, but it also encourages all those who are here with you. And so I asked them to come and they came flooding down and they prayed at the altar and it was beautiful. And so this morning, if you believe that the Father is calling you to the table of life, either for the first time or just to renew your faith or just to relinquish something, then as the worship team sings, I invite you to come and pray at the altar and then I will pray for you when the song is over. So please come. of you that have come, let me pray over you. God, I thank you for these that have come this morning to worship, to allow you to do an even deeper work in them. And God, I don't know what's going on in each of their hearts, but I do know that they have courageously come and said, I want more of Jesus. And so I pray that their seat at the table would be even richer. And I thank you, God, that you're, you're working here. I thank you that you're doing things that aren't always visible. But at times like this, we just get a glimpse of the way you're working in each of us. And I just pray blessings on each person here, God. And I pray for all those that have come here this morning, this beautiful flock at Ridgewood Church. God, I pray that you would give them peace and joy and give us increasing unity, protection from the enemy, And as we seek to follow you in a deeper way, God, I pray that you would cast aside any notion that we can walk this journey alone or that we don't need each other or that it's too big a job for us and help us to live by faith. Thank you for the table. Thank you for life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.